Um, what book have I been in when I've taught? Which was written by? Who also wrote the book of? And he was one of the 12? Doctors. Wasn't a disciple. He was a, do- a, do- a doctor. Not ne- necessarily one of the 12, but he was a doctor. I've got a, st- a story about me and my dad I'd like to start off with tonight. One of my dad's stories. Is that okay? Um, first of all, let, let me ask this. Are, are y'all, who here is, is completely d- d- done with school right now? Okay, we've got a, a, a few of y'all hands down. Who here is like, you got one or two days left and then you're done? Okay, who here's got school like next week? Oh, man, some homeschoolers and stuff. And You got school next week? Oh, well, we'll be having fun and thinking of you while we're having fun. So, um, so I know that it's last week's school, and, and if, if uh, schools have gotten worse since I've been there. So, like, for the last two weeks, you'll probably haven't done a whole lot besides uh, watch YouTube vid- videos and some things like that. So, you're, you're, you're probably done. So, I'm going to ask you all if you can just sort of pay attention. You're sort of getting out, out of the groove of having to pay att- 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 attention in class. Um, you won't have to do that. Um, a lot tonight, just a little bit. First of all, the story about my dad and I when we were hunt, hunt, hunting uh, in the uh, panhandle of Florida. That is, if you take I-10 and you go west for quite a f- long ways, you'll go out into a place called the Boonies. And there's nothing you think, some folks think that that Yulee sort of a podunk town. Um, I don't really know what podunk means, but it sort of fit. Um, but this is like, there, there's a town we used to drive through called Two-Egg. Two I mean, Two-Egg, T-W-O space E-G-G, Two-Egg, Florida. There is a Two-Egg, Florida. Used, there used to be, um, and there wasn't even a house, I think, in Two-Egg. So we're in the middle of nowhere, and there's a bunch of land. And on this land, I remember, I was 12, so just 20 years ago or 10. Um, I was 12, and um, it was full of corn. I mean, like corn. Now, who here's walked in a cornfield before? Who here's walked in a cornfield that stalks were about this high? Who, who's been in a field that where it's been higher? Okay, this was a cornfield where I would swear the corn stalks were 47 feet tall. Okay, I mean, and it was everywhere, all on both sides of the road. It was just corn everywhere. And so I'm with my dad. And, and we, he stops the truck, and we've been hunting on some of this land, and it's a friend of his or something. So he stops the truck, and it's just me and him. And he says, son, you see that cornfield right there? I say, yes, sir. He said, I want you to walk down the middle of that field. And there, there, you know, so there is, it's in rows, so it was sort of in, in the row, but the rows are about this wide, really tight, corn straight up. And he said, walk um, until you get to the next road. And I'll be there with a the truck, and I think you'll probably scare up some birds, some, some quail or something to, to shoot at. So I get out of my truck, and I'm blinking really big, because un, 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 unknowing to my dad, three nights before, I had watched the horror movie Children of the Corn. Oh. Now, some of you are freaking out right now, because you think horror movie is like some kids that were forced to eat vegetables and food that's good for them. But it was sort of like that. But it was, it was a horror movie, and back in those days... Now, if you, you watch it now, you'd be like, really? This scared you? But it terrified me, and my parents didn't know that I had seen this, this film. It had been at a friend's house who had HBO, and so we, I, I got to see it. Um, and, um, 
And the, the, the gist of the film is the kids uh, get possessed by some monster demon thing, and they kill all the parents in town. Uh, and then the kids that are against them, they, they kill them too. And usually they kill them because they, the, the person's running in a, a cornfield, corn and they sort of lop off their head with a sharp tool. So that's sort of the film. And I'm walking towards this huge cornfield, and there's cornfields everywhere, just me and my dad, no one else around. And I'm walking toward the field, and I start to I look back, and my dad's like looking at me like, what's wrong? And he said, Cra-, that was an effect for the film, because something came crashing out of the cornfield. No, I'm kidding. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and... and um, a demon is in the back of the quad. The one from Children of the Corn. It's here. Okay, no. So I'm walking. I start to walk toward it, and I stop. And my dad's about to pull off, and he stops and says, Boy, you all right? And I say, and my dad's like a classy redneck crazy dude, okay? And so I said, um, Dad, I'm a little scared. And he says, what are you scared of? And I said, I'm scared someone's going to lop my head off in the cornfield. <laughs> Honest to God. And my dad lo- 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 looks at me, and he's bewildered at this point. He's like, son, you got a 12-gauge shotgun. You got 25 shells. Someone tries to lop off your head, shoot them. If you miss, shoot again. Yes, sir. I mean, what could I say to that? I couldn't say. And so I, he tells the story this day. He was still, so I creep, and honest to God, it is 37 feet tall, largest cornfield ever. I mean, it's, and it's like tight. You can't see anything. And I'm walking, and he's, and as I go in, he says, hey, son, just stay on the path. I'll meet you on the uh, uh, other side. This path, you can barely tell it's a path. It's not really counting as a path. And I'm walking, and it must have been four miles before I got to the road on the other side. But you don't know how relieved I was to come out of that cornfield. Uh, and as I, as I come out, I think my dad was going, don't shoot, don't shoot, it's me, as he was in the truck. Because he was stunned, because I, I had a, a gun and shotgun shells. But they were going to lop. Do you understand the panic that I had? He just said, just stay on the path. You'll be all right. So we're going to jump into our text tonight. This story is going to come back around. So just sort of hold on to this story. Acts chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse, uh, and just read together. And let's just, as we read this first part of the text, let's stand up together in honor of God's word. The rest of it we we, we won't, but this we will. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And after Fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them off. 
Dear God, I just thank you so much for your text, for your word. Lord, as we continue through your word and as, as students share tonight, Lord, um, we just ask for you to move. We, we, we welcome you to this place. And I ask just you to move in hearts uh, and change lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody ha- have a seat. Any, any, anyone here want to be used by, by God? Anyone here? I think mo- most people, if you go to church, if you're a Christian or a b- believer in Jesus Christ, gosh, I can't stay away from that name. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you want to be used by God. And so I'll ask you this. What are you doing about it? First thing, what are you doing? I want to be used by God. Well, what are you doing about it? If you want to make money, what do you have to do? You got to work. You got to get a job. You know, no, I, I want to make money and not get a job. I just want people to give me money. Can we do that? Like starting next week, y'all bring me your lunch money, right? Right, because I've got to get a job to get money. If I want to make good grades, like great grades in school and be in the top of my class, what do I have to to do? What? What's that? Study. 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 Some of you go, well, um, to make the best grades in my school, I would have to sell my firstborn wherever that comes and make, you you know, you know, but you've got to study. You've got to put in the time. You cannot make the best grades in school unless you put the time in and the, the effort and the work. So why do we want to be used by God and we, we, we expect him to do something, but we don't do a whole lot about it? In the text here is an interesting point. My point one for tonight, I've got three quick points uh, point one is this, those who seek after God are more likely to be used by God. Those who seek after God are more likely to be used by God. There's a rare case or not where, where God has used folks that, that, that it was God had planned to use them and they weren't r- running straight at him. But most of the time in the text, we see that they're seeking after him. Look here in, in verse 2 of the text we just read. While they were wor- worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit set apart, and he sent them off, set apart Barnabas and Saul. But what were they doing? Just don't miss that point of the text. They weren't just sitting there going, okay, I'm waiting for God to do something. No, they were worshiping God and fasting. What, what, what things can we do um, to be used by God? The, the question I would ask is this, do you worship him? And I'm not just saying, well, I, I sing some songs, but in the songs, are you going... God, you are a good, good father. That is, thank you so much for me. Do, do we worship him or do we just sing the songs and not really think about what it means? Do, do, do we fast? It's something that's rare nowadays. That means you go without a meal. It could be a certain day of the week. You, you, you go without food so that when you want to eat, that reminds you to pray over what question you have for God. For some, it might be what school I go to or or, or um, how do I share my faith with my friend? Or, or how do I even begin to talk to them? How else can we, can we prepare ourselves? Learn, learn the Bible. Sometimes we say study the, the, the Bible. That, that phrase can be vague. Learn it. When we learn it, we know it. I can st- st- study something and sometimes I just don't get it. But when I learn it, 
it sticks. What is it going to take for this to stick in my life? Memorize scripture. Are we seeking God? Do we want to be used by God? You ought to be seeking God. Yes? Yes? You good? All right, let's keep going. Verse 4 says this, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they, they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar, Bar Jesus. He was with the pro-council, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Now, let me tell you really quick, just stop right there, because it says they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. What was the word of God they proclaimed? They proclaimed the gospel. And this is what they shared. Hey, hey, you sin. Everybody sins and your sin separates you from God. And there's nothing that you can do to fix it on your own. So they first tell them bad news. One, you sin. Next thing is it keeps you away from God and you cannot fix it. But then they say the good news, which is the, the gospel, that God made a way that he sent his son Jesus Christ, to live a life without sin and to die as a sacrifice for your sin. Sin debt can only be paid by death. And, and we, can, we, we could pay our own debt with death, but then we're gone. We're, 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 we're dead on earth. We're, we're, we're spirit, spiritually dead, and we're in hell forever. God made a way through his son. This is what they share. It's the gospel. Some, some of you, you've heard this over and over and over, but do you, do you know the good news? There's no hope. You are, you are a sinner and you are lost. There's no hope, but God made a way. When there was no way, there was no path to take, God made a path. As we keep going, it says this, that, um, that in verse 8, um, but Elimus the mag- magician, for that is the, the meaning of his name, uh, opposed them seeking to turn the pro-council away from the faith. So we see that, that Paul and Barnabas are sent out. He, he goes by Saul or Paul. They're sent out. My p- point, too, is that when God calls us or sends us, obstacles will come. Okay, I don't think there's ever been a time in my life when God hasn't called me to do something to act or to move where obstacles did not come. They're going to come every time. And you may say, wait, but wait, I thought that, that, that God, would, if, he, if he calls me to go here, God just wants me to be safe and be happy. And that's just not, not, not real. God loves you, but you know what? God loves who you're going to just as much as he loves you, and he's trying to use you to reach them. And it may come at a cost to you, but it's so that they can hear the good news that you have. We think God, if he calls us, will be safe. Understand, when he calls us and sends us, obstacles will come. Now, sometimes there are quotes I like to share. This is a quote I just came up on my own, and it may not make sense to you, but it made perfect sense to me. Listen to this. 
Your circumstances do not dictate whether you are in the will of God or not. Your circumstances do not dictate whether you're in the will of God or not. Your attitude and actions in those circumstances dictate if you're in the will of God or not. Where you are, what you do, and how, how you act and what you think, that tells me if you're in the will of, of God or not, or tells me if I'm in it or not. Where I'm at, what I do or act with whatever comes my way, that's how I know if I'm in the will of God. If it's all for me and selfish and I'm going to do it my way, I'm not in the will of God. If I'm laying myself down, I seek what God wants, that's God's will. Sometimes we're like, I just can't tell what his will is. When God calls us, op- obstacles will come. And what we do with those, that, that, that says if we're staying in his will or not. And know what? This is good news. When obstacles come, God knows. Whenever they come, I want you to know that God knows. When I was off at, at college, I was probably 21. I went to Palm Beach Atlantic, which is about four hours, five hours south, south of here. I went to school. And I had been there not a very long time, and I came down with the, with the flu. I mean, I was feeling sick, bad. Who here had, had the flu w- within the past year? Uh, it's not fun at all. I had the flu. It was late at night. And do you know what the first thing I did in order to feel better? I called my mama. You know what I told my mama? I, got, I, got, I don't feel good. I got the flu. It's what I did. I looked back going. What's I doing? My mom's probably like, it's like when our, like, Amelia will come, come in and she'll wake us up at 3 a.m. saying she looks, she's going to the bathroom because she just wants somebody to know in case she gets flushed down. Uh, and you're like, you can just go. You don't have to tell us. You know? So it's, it's just nice for somebody to know. And I want you to know this. Whatever obstacles you face, God knows. Man, that makes life for me. So much easier. So let's look at the rest of the text. So this guy's getting in the way. He's an, an obstacle to the word of God being, being shared. Look in verse 9 to verse 12, and this is sort of where I'll wrap my part up. But Saul, who's also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. He looks at, at this man who's trying to d- disrupt everything and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of dis- deceit and vil- vil- villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the pro-council believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of of the of the Lord. P- p- point one: Those who seek God are more likely to be used by Him. P- point point two: When God calls our sins, obstacles will come. Point three: God knows and is bigger than your obstacles. Point: God knows and He's bigger than your obstacles. There's at times that the obstacles may get the best of you, but can I tell you, God knows and is bigger than whatever you will face. So seniors or grads who, who are on your way out, let me share this and tell this with you tonight. And it applies to everybody in this room because um, as gr- 
Greg knows because he's taught youth for um, uh, more years than I have. Uh, it's tough to be in youth sometimes because we get you only for a short amount of time, and then you 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 go off, and we've got to sort of sometimes start afresh with a new group. And man, sometimes we feel left behind. But it's it's sort of what the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to what you're taught here. You're supposed to go and take it wherever God calls you to go. But man, it's bittersweet sometimes. It's sort of sad because I hate because those those youth I've seen for seven years straight every week. All of a sudden, I don't see them much at all. They may come in town and say hi, but it's just, it's a new phase of life. It, it's, it, it's tough, but it's, it's the way it's supposed to work. So grads, let me tell this to you. Wherever God calls you to go, and it could be staying here in town. It could be going off to school. It could be going into a, a, a job field. Um, whatever it is, I will, can I beg you to stay on the path that God has set before you? When the obstacles come and they will come, stay on the path that God has before you. Keep pressing forward where God has called you to go. That applies to everybody in this room. Um, on that path, man, you, just like I was armed with this 12-gauge shotgun, you, you're armed with, with not just the Word of God, but the whole, 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 whole Holy Spirit. That, that, that means it's like really holy when I say that much. Um, and you're never alone. You are never alone. God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Don't miss that. Stay on the path. What, what do I do? What, what do, do you do when you don't know what you're supposed to do? Stay on the path. What do I do when I know what I'm su- su- supposed to do? Stay, stay on the path. That's what you do. Stay on the path. All right, we got a couple of seniors that I'm going to share t- t- tonight. So I'm going to start with Mr. Riley, who has been a part of the youth group for like two and a half years. Like two years. Two years? Yeah. It feels like seven yeah, years. Seven. Uh, but uh, y'all, y'all know him as Golem at camp, so let's give him a big hand. <laughs> Riley. Hello. Hi, Finn. You're making me nervous about what I'm supposed to do. Come in, just trying to do my testimony. You have like three pages all typed out. Four. Four. Oh, my gosh. So I'm just going to give my testimony. Um, let's see here. I'm 18. I got saved uh, the summer in between freshman and sophomore year. Um, before that, I grew up Christian. Never really had the kind of crisis moment that a lot of people have. Um, But I wasn't really living for God, and I didn't really care. But something happened. It it was at a creation festival. There was a speaker who was talking about letting go of anger, which is something I still struggle with and really, really really struggled with then. Um, And what did he say? I don't know, but I got saved. (laughs) 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 And um, uh, that's... (laughs) Um, that's not the end of it because that would be really bad if I only talked for less than a minute so the struggles don't end when you become a Christian if anything they get kind of worse because you you feel like your whole life is supposed to change and then you get frustrated when you still struggle with the same things you were struggling before so 
I've always kind of dealt with depression and anger and loneliness and stuff, and I've always tried to put on a brave face and a happy face and be an upright and bubbly guy all the time. And then that makes you feel really bad afterwards because turns out you're still upset and you don't really want to talk to people about it. Um, but I learned that the church is the greatest family you could have, and there's always someone in the church you can talk to and love on, and they love you unconditionally because the church is your family. Um, so, I don't know where I'm going with this. Oh, crap. Um, see here, do I have anything written down? I didn't have anything written down. Wait, actually, I have this thing here. I stapled this in here. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> what my life was like before I met Christ. Um, I wanted to have fun, but I didn't want to have fun with God because I always thought that having God around made everything lame and you weren't allowed to do anything. Um, I still didn't do anything, but just maybe kind of a lame person because I didn't do anything, but I didn't commit to God, so I was just kind of a lousy Christian. Um, I was angry and mean, very, very mean, because um, I moved up here two years ago. I came up here, and I tried to like just be a more open and honest person, and I think I succeeded a little bit, but <laughs> before then, um, I was really mean, like I like scared people off, and I may have stopped some people from coming to church and youth group, and that's something I still feel really guilty about, is there were all these people I could have been witnessing to, but I didn't. So that was kind of my focus when I moved up here, was I was going to be better about that. And I've talked to some people about Jesus, and I think things have gone well. So, see here. I pushed everyone away, and I really struggled with loneliness, and I still do sometimes struggle with it, but I have friends that I hang out with a lot now, and Christian friends. Staring at you, buddy. Um, okay, how I realized I needed Christ. Um, I went to Creation Festival 2014. Um, I've been fighting with my family pretty much most of the summer. I was pretty, pretty angry for reasons I don't remember. And then there was a Jeff Bethke sermon. He was the guest speaker on the second to last night. And then he did like a little altar call, and I went up. I was crying. It was really fun. It was really great. Um, okay, number three. How I committed my life to Christ. Um, see here. There was a lesson about forgiveness, and I prayed for Lord to forgive me. And there's a verse that I keep on my Bible that I got at a Bible study we had here one night. It's Psalm 2511. And it's just like, a, like one of those psalms you remember. Well, I'm looking it up right now because I'm nervous. Um, it's just one of those things that you remember and it's sort of like a quick prayer you can always keep with you. It's for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity for it is great. So sometimes it's how I lead off my prayers or something you can structure it around. Um, like you've all, you've all heard of the Acts prayer, admission, con admission, confession, thankfulness, and supplication. That's always my, um, what's it called? A supplication. Um, is I'm like, I'm sorry, I keep doing this, and you have to learn to move past stuff, but that's a, that's a verse that I always keep with me, and I've got it taped up here, just because it's, it's easier to remember. Okay. And the difference it has made in my life. I'm a much happier guy now. I mean, I still struggle with a lot of things. I mean, everyone kind of struggles with a lot of things, but there's more people I can talk to now, people I admit stuff to. I've talked, I talk a lot more issues out with my parents now instead of just kind of keeping it bottled up but it's always good to have someone to talk to and I've talked with Dan I've talked with Nick I think I've talked with Mike about stuff this kind of about stuff too but people in the church are really like 
like they are just as close to you as your actual family. And church family is really great. Um, let's see here. Now I'm graduating. Um, and I've got to step back off from the youth group. Um, won't be part of it every week now. So I've got to try and find a place to get plugged in where I'm going. Got to keep friends. And okay, I kind of just rambled for five minutes, but that should be it. All right, let's give a big hand for Finbar Rooney. He's going to sit on the stool like this. Yeah, I'm using this thing. Going to sing a little. No, I'm not, I'm not better than you. I'm lower than you, so I got to sit down. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Finn, if you guys don't know. Um, I've been in the youth group for like two years, two and a half, three years, something like that. Um, and, you know, I'm graduating this year. I'm going to FSU in the, in the fall. Um, but <laughs> I wanted to talk to you guys about, all right, fine, you know, okay. I want to talk to you guys about uh, pride and how it has affected my life and sort of my testimony inter, uh, intertwined with that. So the verse that I wanted to start out with is uh, Proverbs sixteen eighteen, and it says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty eye before a fall. Now, I just want you guys to keep this in the back of your mind as I, you know, go through my little lesson here. Um, so <clears throat> I struggled with pride for, for many years. Uh, it started when I was about junior high. Uh, I started going to, uh, I started getting out of the house more. I was homeschooled my whole life. Most of you already know that, but just a heads up. And uh, I started getting out of the house more in junior high, and I realized, like, I was a pretty smart kid. I was making all A's all the time. And I looked at my classmates, and they weren't doing the same. And I was like, whoa, I'm pretty good at this. And then I started playing sports. And I hit puberty really, really early. So that means I was about my height when I was, like, 12. So I was a big kid, and I was good at sports. So after winning a lot of games and making great test scores and all these parents coming up to me saying, wow, you're such a great kid, I started to really believe it. And it went to my head majorly. So I was just this kid who's just like, oh, that kid's super cocky. And he's like seventh grade. But, I mean, and it, and it, it affected me more than just like, oh, that kid's cocky. I started to view myself and how, who, who I was and what I was worth by what I could do. And more toxically, I started to view other people by what they could do. So I put myself above people. It's like I could do things better than they can, so I'm better than them. And it really skewed my whole view for a long time, and it's something I still struggle with even today. Um, so I knew about this problem pretty early on, probably turn of high school, about ninth grade. Uh, so I moved down here, and I realized that, you know, I was a very prideful person. I, I saw myself higher than I saw other people, and I realized I had to change it. Um, so I, I tried to change it, you know, I prayed, and I, I sought help from Christian brothers, and it really did help, um, and I really did, was able to curve it for the most part, but it never really fully went away. Like, I was still really athletic, and I was still really smart, and I was still had these things, and so my pride never went away, and it never, never really uh, changed that much. Um, then a big sort of thing happened. In the middle of junior year, I started applying for the United States Naval Academy. Now, the Naval Academy is extremely hard to get into. Acceptance rate's like 7%. Um, you get one kid from Jacksonville area who will go per year. And I thought that was going to be me. I was so sure. I was, like, convinced. And it wasn't even that I thought I was just better than everybody else. I thought God was going to work a miracle in my life. And I'd be able to come up here and tell you guys that God is so great because he did this to me and he can do it to you too. But that's not what he did. 
Um, I'm not going to the Naval Academy. I was not selected. And because I still had a lot of who I was and based on what I could do, I took a hit. I got like, I think I got four college rejections in a single day. And as someone who puts their worth in their school and their test scores, it, it hurts and you fall into the slum. And I realized to myself, I was like, you know, why am I in this slum? I'm not just these good, you know, standardized test scores. You know, I'm a, a child of God and, and I should view myself how God views me. And I never really got that uh, until, uh, until this past, uh, past summer um, when I, I saw myself as, you know, I'm better than, you know, these things. I am, I'm a child of God and that's, that's who I am. And it really helped me um, to see that. And also, I'm able to see other people that way as well. I'm not seeing everybody else as, you know, oh, you don't have a great ACT score, so you're at this category. Or, oh, you can't play sports, so you're at this category. You know, that's not how I see people anymore. And I was expecting miracles in my life. I was expecting really big things. And so when I'm going to FSU, it's a pretty normal school. I mean, it's a Florida State school. It's a great school. I'm really excited, but it's not like Duke or Harvard. So, you know, I was expecting to get, like, just amazing scores to tell people, like, oh, look at me, I'm so great. But, you know, I'm going to Florida State, and it's a very modest school. I'm very happy to go to Florida State. I was expecting, like, an, a miracle in my life, um, but that's just not going to happen. Um, yes, it is a miracle I'm going to Florida State. Yes, it is a miracle I'm graduating, that's for certain. Uh, but it's not what I really expected. And I thought that, you know, God wasn't working in my life because my – situation is so normal like it's not anything extraordinary really and I really felt like well maybe like God isn't doing anything because I'm not getting all these things but then I read uh first kings 19 11 and this is about um uh, Elijah after he uh he I forget what the context but he's he's searching for God's uh wisdom he wants to know what God wants him to do and so uh I'm going to start in verse 11 and so the Lord said Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, and Elijah heard it. God was in the whisper. He wasn't in, like, the huge explosion of the fire or the wind. He wasn't like this insane show. He was in that whisper. And I realized that God can work in my life even though it looks just completely normal. And God can work in your guys' life even though it just looks normal. You know, it's not, it has, doesn't have to be extraordinary, but God can still work in what you're doing and who you are. So, like I said, in the fall, I'll be going to FSU on, uh, on the Marines. Pro, uh, I, I'm in the Marines, by the way. Um, I'll be on the Marine scholarship uh, in, in the fall. And um, I'm really learning to not place my worth in the Marines or in FSU or in anything else that I'm doing, but in who I am in Christ. And uh, there's one last thing I want to bring to you guys is uh, James. James was the brother of Jesus. He broke the book of James in the last part of your Bible. And he had every reason to boast and be proud and to be prideful and to say all the things that he was. He was the head of the church in Jerusalem, and he was the brother of Jesus. He grew up with Jesus. But the first line of his book is James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing he describes himself as is not James, the head of the church of Jerusalem, not James, the brother of Christ, 
but James, a servant of the Lord and Jesus Christ. So that's who I am, Finn, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. Good job, bro. Good job. All right, guys. Thank you all, um, Riley and Finn, and, um, for just taking some time to, to share from your heart what God's doing. And guys, there's so much to glean off uh, even a 12th grade student that, that has, is growing in their faith. Uh, take to heart a lot of, of what was just shared there, because that's some important, some important truth that above all else, um, right there at the end there, you, you're, you're a, a child of God. There's nothing greater than you can be, more secure than you can be in that. Let's pray, and we're going to be dismissed tonight. Dear God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I, I, I thank you for these two that shared uh, just about where they've come from and what you're doing within their lives. Lord, for all the, the graduates that we have, Lord, I just, I just want to um, just, just ask that you bless them, you take care of them. Lord, I, I thank you for each, each one of them and just the part um, we, we, we've gotten to be in a, a part of their lives. And God, just, just make, make their paths straight, and Lord, help them to stay on the path. And Lord, for us all in this room, Lord, help us to, to, to go where, where you call us. And when obstacles come, um, keep going on the path. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.